0: So then you started, you know, Quantum Pigeon, right? So you decided, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna find my future. I'm gonna find that next purpose. And so tell us a little bit about your new startup. Well, it's, it's a few years old now, but uh, you know, I believe it started in 2017, Quantum Pigeon, right? And how, you know, what what's the purpose behind that? What problem are you solving here as you know your purpose for the world? Well,
1: um, yeah. So, I mean, it did start in in late 2017. Um, you know, I think company was incorporated in 19, but not important. The idea was still certainly percolating since then, you know, as I have a lot of pool floaty time. Um, and what it really did was it just sort of came to me and I think that's, that's the best thing because I had somebody really smart guy said, Hey, let's sit in a room and brainstorm potential business ideas. And that's just not how my brain works. I don't want to sit and just kind of look, what it has to do is naturally come to me, the same way Bitstu did. And that's the way Quantum Pigeon came to me. And it was as I was communicating more and more to different people through messaging, through instant messaging, and realizing that instant messaging was very okay. It wasn't great. It was just very utilitarian. It worked. It did what it was supposed to do, but it was very casual very, you know, based on sticker packs and cute features, but not powerful features. Mm. And I started kind of floating on my pool floaty and thinking of like, you know, wait a minute, why is it this way? And a big problem for me was privacy. Because I had made a little bit of a name for myself locally here. And people would see me in group chats. And because my phone number was visible to everybody, they'd, you know, kind of pop in and say, Hey, I saw you in the group chat. I'm a friend of the friend. And I got your phone number. And I've got a business idea for you. And as I started thinking about it, I said, you know, why do we treat access to ourselves so casually? All of our time is important. We don't want people spamming us. We don't, you know, we want some, some value in privacy and also some power in what we share. And that was really my sort of that moment uh, that, that started Quantum Pigeon was there's so much value in what we communicate and share as individuals, uh, whether it's, it's a quick little hello, or it's a a really in-depth document or a movie file or whatever. We share everything through messaging, Mm -hmm. but we don't actually do anything with it. (laughs) We just share it and leave. And then we go to some other apps that are useful, and then we go back and we start sharing more information. So why don't we have power and control in what we share? So that was really the the start of of Quantum Pigeon, was this, this evaluation of how we use technology to communicate. And why hasn't it changed since, you know, WhatsApp came out? And if you look at the history, you know, WhatsApp was great because as phones became more internet enabled, they said, Hey, we're going to do SMS, basically messaging over the web instead of over the carrier. So cool. And they struggled to find their footholds in North America because the text rates were so cheap, but in Europe messaging rates were higher. So it Mm -hmm. took off in Europe. And they found their footing and they grew from there. But really what happened was they said, okay, we're going to be SMS, but for the web. So we're going to have your phone number visible to everybody, casual messaging, send a message and you don't control it. You typo it, you screw it up. You want to get more value out of it. That's your problem. You know, I mean, they're not that harsh, but you know what I mean? It was on that mindset (laughs) of we're taking SMS and we're bringing it to messaging through devices. And they've been obviously hugely successful and transformative to the world because that's now how people communicate more than anything than any other medium in the world, messaging on mobile. But if you look at the history, it hasn't really changed that much, right? So WhatsApp came out, they've added some features and that's been cool. Uh, But then Viber came out and said, you know, we're WhatsApp but purple and Telegram came out and said, or WhatsApp but blue and they're all kind of the same. And even now Signal that comes out and says, hey, we're now re-looking at this and we're gonna be more about privacy. They're really not. They, they're making the sin uh, that every security, well, not every, but a lot of tech security companies make. And they say, we have better encryption, so therefore we are more private. Well, no, you have better encryption, so therefore you're more secure, but you're still showing my phone number to everybody. Or you allow me eventually to mask it with a fixed user ID. But guess what? If I have a fixed identifier to myself, then anybody can get to me. I don't have true privacy. And oh, by the way, uh, privacy is not about hiding information. Privacy is about controlling the information about ourselves that's out there. So that means Facebook, stop selling my data to people without my knowledge. If if Facebook is able to monetize $6 per user per year, on average from WhatsApp, which is a stat I read somewhere, maybe it's not it's quite correct, but they monetize something on WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. But I never paid them a dollar and you never paid them a dollar. Then who's paying for it? <laughs> and what are they buying? Because <laughs> they're buying something. So they're buying me, right? right. And, you know, Instead of spending all the time and energy and money that these big companies spend on algorithms that track what we do, imagine if they took those really intelligent teams and spent the time and energy and effort in adding value back to the person. And that's where we—that's what I really looked at. And I said, look, I wanna create something that doesn't take value from you through ads, through violating privacy, through whatever. I wanna build something that gives value back to you by offering something more premium, more polished, more finished, so that allows you to express yourself your ideas, your content, your information—much more powerfully. That wow. became the foundation of Quantum Pigeon. But like anything else, it evolves, right? As you listen to the market.
0: Yes. So what you know, like now that you founded the the business and and it's m- maneuvering. I mean, the market's changing. Obviously, we're going in the midst of of COVID. What can you can you just explain to the the audience here? What are the three key benefits that you're 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 actually dealing with here? What are the three things that you're providing for, you know, the, the, like you say, the chat and everything else.
1: Well, and and this gets to, it's it's a really great question. And COVID is a very interesting event uh, for us and worldwide and (laughs) for humanity, maybe it's not fair enough to say. You know, I I looked at it and I really wanted to say, how do we communicate and share ourselves better, more powerfully with tech? And so one of the three foundational things I think you you asked about, I would say is, number one, privacy. How do I control access to myself? uh, And how do I then allow people to get to me, those people that I want and Mm -hmm. for how long I want? So a great uh, example that I would, you know, give that happens a lot is, um, if I want to get to you and I've got a great idea for you, Peter, and I say, hey, this is a great idea, I might get to you through a friend and I say, hey, you, can you introduce me to Peter? And you say, sure. So you either give the phone number, or you give the email or you give something. And then, you know, the friend says, hey, Peter, this is Alex. Alex, this is Peter. I'll let you two take it from here. And then we talk and we share ideas and then maybe it's not for you, but now you're kind of stuck with me because I have access to you. And I then, you know, you say, hey, Alex, you know, cool talk, but it's not quite for me. Thanks. But then they come back to you a month later. This happens to me all the time. They'll come back, right? Which, you know, ah, I got another idea. It's like, okay, you know, and it's friend of a friend. And so then what do you do? Am I a jerk? Am I, I ghost them? Do I say no thanks? Do I say, look, I mean, you know, I'm not an idea sounding board. I've got valuable time. Um, we all have valuable time, right? And so then you kind of flight again, another meeting, and then eventually you just got to, how do you get it out? But now the relationship can be different. Now we can start to look at if we have true privacy, how can it be different? And you can say, all right, Alex, I'll connect through, through our mutual friend here, but you have no personal identifying information to me. And I'm going to allow that connection to be one week. And we talk, we share ideas, you say, thanks, it's not for me, the connection naturally expires. I then have to go to the friend again, and they say, look, you had your kick at the can with Peter, leave the guy alone, he's a busy guy. But also even simpler terms, let's say you're a pretty girl at a bar, guy says, hey, uh, give me your phone number, you might feel a little uneasy, you give the phone number, the guy turns out to be maybe a little creepy, a little bit aggressive, Uh, so she gets a bad vibe and says, all right, I'm not going out with you, and then it's harassing, oh, you too good for me, oh, you know, what's going on? Uh, and then you know she's got to block on WhatsApp or block on you know, WeChat if it's a static WeChat ID, or block on the phone and just go through this this harassment. But instead, she'd be like, "All right, and I'm going to add a little dimension to it. We're going to connect for a month or a week or three days, buddy. Don't play this game where you know message me for a week. You got one, you know, you got three days to message me, and now it creates a different kind of interaction, right? Where there's value in this. But the other part of it, and I'll tie this into kind of where we ended up. Mm-hmm. Is the control side of it. So when I was, you know, communicating through messaging and sending a message, and, and inevitably we'd send the wrong message to the wrong person, um, and you know, typo something in a professional environment, and that was like, oh, that's not so good. How come I can't control my message anytime I want? How come I can't delete it when I want, edit it when I want? Uh, if I send, you know, my boss a picture of. You know, vacation or something. I didn't want them to see. Ah, you know, we've all had that sinking feeling of sending right. the wrong message, you know, uh, to the wrong person. And so I was going to think of an example, but I, you know, I didn't want to be too harsh on it. And you know, then you're stuck, and you're like, oh my god. And that got me to thinking. Wait, why is it when we send messages, we don't control our own contents? Why is it the other party controls our content? We're the publishers. So I started thinking messaging not as messaging, but as content distribution. Mm-hmm. And then the final part of it was, why is it when we communicate, we can't do anything with the information we get? So looking at how we can empower more effective and creative sharing of contents, sharing of ideas, because I've always had the belief, and this was back when I would codes and when I, back in Bits2 and even through Quantum Pigeon, if you just let people be creative and you give them tools and don't say, well, you know, it's too complex, they're not smart enough to figure it out or... Yeah, I'm gonna hold their hand and I'm gonna control the way I want it done. If you just say, look, here's something that allows you to be creative and share your ideas, yourself, your thoughts, uh, more effectively, you'll do more creative things than I could ever imagine in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna get out of your way and allow you know, human creativity to flourish, so to speak. What that evolved to with COVID, and this gets to be where it was sort of an interesting time and also when I talk about the pivot with Bitstu and how you pivot as a mm-hmm. company, With Quantum Pigeon, there was a quick realization when I was talking to investors or or people saying, when I talk about access and content distribution and sharing through messaging and more power, that natural conversation came up of, hey, what about people who create content online? You know, these Instagram influencers that travel the world, they can't travel the world anymore and they've run out of pictures they can take in their backyard. Or celebrities that used to go to conventions and sign autographs and engage their fans, they can't anymore. So I had this kind of aha moment, of saying, wait a minute, there's no technology change for us. I already have privacy. I already have time to access. I already have content control. I already have everything. And I already have a premium foundation for messaging. So what if we turn that loose to the creative crowd, the online crowd, not just Instagram, but YouTube or Twitter, or anybody who you know, posts any kind of content or has any value in the information they possess, which guess what? is everybody. You could be a lawyer that's never posted on Instagram in your life, but because of COVID, you can't access your clients and so you want to provide more value to people. And you don't want to say, Hey, you know, a thousand bucks for the session. Maybe I just want to say a hundred bucks a month and I'll give you advice. Uh, and so that's really where it transitioned. So in that conversation where I talk to you through a mutual friend and you say, Alex, I'll connect with you for a week or for a month, nothing you said is you had to connect with me for free. Mm. And that's really where the, the, go-to-market transition became powerful because now let's say, for example, I'm on, I'm a fitness person on Instagram and I'm posting workouts and pictures of myself looking all fit and I'm building my audience and they're getting inspired. Now I've got 10,000, hundred thousand, a million or more, you name it, whatever number of followers, how do I interact and engage with them more? If they got my Instagram ID, it's a direct message ID, there's gonna just be too many people getting to me. So I took that foundation in Quantum Pigeon, and I said, all right, I'm gonna turn it loose to people who create content, and allow them to create something premium. And what that means is, if you start to look at the current social channels as cable TV, that's you an know, analogy I, I, that's certainly helped me communicate it. You know, Instagram, YouTube, and so forth, they become like cable TV. They give you standard content. they're good apps, they're good products, nothing wrong with them, but they're ad based revenue. So as I build more followers, more likes, more, uh, you know, views, I'm effectively building my ratings, which allows me to get better advertisers and sell more advertising. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad model, but inherently it punishes the audience, right? So as I'm building my followers, maybe I post on YouTube and I have these really cool videos and people got used to seeing the videos all the way through. Now they have to sit through two ads in the front and a few in the middle and they're very abrupt and interrupting ads, right? It's like not a nice transition like TV shows are. It's like halfway through a sentence, wham, here's an earwax commercial. (laughs) And you're like, oh my God, so gross. And then you gotta go back to what you're watching. But also if I'm an Instagram influencer and I'm recommending makeup products, as you can imagine I would, uh, you know, and I'm saying this foundation is really great for your skin and I've had hardly any followers, maybe you know, a few thousand here or there, but now I'm getting 50,000, 100,000 and I'm switching brands. Well, people aren't dumb, they know I'm getting paid. I'm like, all right, is this now the best for me or are they just marketing to me now? And so what happens is you, you reach this progression point where uh, this pivot where you now are effectively losing a bit of authenticity because they know they're being sold to, but you're also punishing your audience because they used to consume your content without commercials and now they have to sit the commercials. So maybe they go to someone else, maybe there's some drop-off. So we kind of looked at it and said, well, what if we're a natural progression, just like them as cable TV selling advertising through commercials, we become like Showtime, Netflix, HBO, right? And we say, look, continue to operate on these cable TV type channels uh, of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, nothing wrong with that. But when you want to publish something premium, you come to us, we have a premium app, more advanced features, because we spend our engineering time not mining your data, but providing value so we can actually move more quickly than the competition, build more powerful features. And a certain percentage of your audience follows over. So just like HBO with Game of Thrones would advertise that on cable TV, the cable TV audience would say, hey, cool, I'm gonna go over to HBO and watch it and I'll pay my 10 bucks a month or whatever the creator wants to charge. So we then have this way, this really nice transition of taking the foundational premium messaging platform and saying, now we're allowing you to monetize your information, your creativity and share it in a way that is incredibly natural. We all know how to share any type of media through messaging. We all know how to do video calls. We all know how to do that. You don't have to learn a new tool and a new product. And your audience the same also knows how to communicate and consume any type of media you want. So if I want to subscribe to the fitness model and I've got a question on how I can target my abs better, I don't want to send a DM and get lost in a hundred thousand different people. I want to have them maybe as my direct trainer for a thousand bucks a month, 500 bucks a month, whatever that person wants to charge. They can, because they have the privacy, true privacy in us and content control and a foundation of communication. It's just natural. Oh, cool. I'll send you workout videos. You can message with me. We'll do the occasional video chat. It's on demand. It's instant. It's not separate and outside of what they normally do. And so that's sort of where I've seen COVID be an accelerator. Right. Because they talk about it as a game changer. Yes. In some ways, yes, but in some ways it just accelerated a natural market that was there anyway. And so society is adapting, but also, you know, unemployment's higher. People are looking for more ways to generate revenue. And people have value in themselves and they're looking for ways to monetize their value and their creativity. And that's where we yes. come in.
0: That's that's a very comprehensive understanding. And, and and there's a lot of lessons learned in that too, Alex. Where do you, you know, as a new startup and now you going, OK, I'm starting fresh, I'm refreshed. I've learned what I've learned from a small organization and, and a very large one. And now you're starting your own organization back to the startup phase. How are you seeing now with your new wisdom, how are you seeing this technology or your platform trans, transforming this world that we live in today? In the days of the fang stocks right i mean you've got conglomerates in this space as well how do you see that as a vision you standing out from that crowd
1: well i think if if we look at you know the fang stocks are great and we talk about you know if you if, if say well, you know kind of what is quantum pigeon well it's just, it's premium social networking right that's pretty much what it is we're looking to define that new space and premium being not exclusive. It's not that you know you can't get it. It's premium, like like Apple was able to brand themselves as premium laptops. Anyone can buy them. Premium phones. Anyone can buy them, but they're just more thought out. They're nicer. Now, whether or not you agree with that's a, a different question. But they were successful in their marketing.
0: Yeah.
1: But that's also our mission. We want to be premium in the sense of you use it and communicate every day and you share yourself every day. Why not have it be? just better, nicer, more well thought out, more energy put into providing value versus extracting value. And so that's where we come in at the foundation. So how does that really tie into your question? Well, that puts us smack dab up against the folks like Facebook, not in the sense that we say, okay, leave Instagram, leave these other properties that you have and come to us. We actually love Instagram. We love facebook for building we don't love them for privacy violations but we love them for building their audiences um, and teaching people how to create content and share and then we come in and say once you've done that hey here we are keep your audiences but just offer them something extra offer them something more but also with respect to privacy Um, so you know when facebook rose up uh and you had players before them of course you know myspace friendster and all that but i'll really focus on facebook they were really pioneering and championing this new age of the internet, which was this social media. How do we now as a society respond on a platform that allows me to be everywhere, right? And share everything to everyone in the world for good or for bad. And with any new major foundational shifts, such as that, you know, society doesn't really know how to consume it or deal with it yet. And we're now seeing the, seeing the tail end of that as a big problem because the sharing of you know, fake news, uh, the accusations of attacks on elections being done through uh, social media, society didn't ever have to deal with that before. So it didn't have to learn from it and figure out, okay, once we've brought the pendulum over from the internet is starting, the internet's kind of cool. Whoa, now I can share everything about myself as far and wide as possible to the pendulum coming back to saying, well, maybe sharing myself far and wide to everyone and everything wasn't always the best for me. Maybe I wanna save something for myself. Maybe I wanna pull something a little bit back because geez, maybe when these analytics companies find out that I like conservative or more liberal media, they feed my biases, they shape my opinion, they start giving me propaganda, spreading fake news because Conspiracy theories are more exciting. People read them, and the algorithms go, ah, they're reading more conspiracy theories. so we'll give them more conspiracy theories, right? It's not that people are sitting back being evil; it's that they train algorithms, and algorithms go, what are people consuming? This is what they're consuming. Let's give them more, right? Right. Let's now, as as a society, I think we're going to see a natural pullback, and we're certainly seeing it a lot in the media. We're certainly seeing a lot of it in uh, documentaries and, and and responses from governments. You know, how do we say, okay, we shared everything, we went to this extreme we're going to pull back now uh, and see what it means to have something more for ourselves. When we communicate, that's where we come in. And that's how I see us kind of shaping society, which is let's provide tools that enable human creativity while still preserving pieces of ourselves. And maybe we can bring the best of everything together and be an agent for a change. And if we get enough traction, we have, we have a couple options. When we get enough traction and we become, massive and life is great and we're we're a positive way for people to be creative and share themselves while still protecting people and societies. But maybe if nothing else, we get more and more popular. We start to rise up and the big players like the Facebook say, "Uh uh-oh, society is responding to this, so maybe we need to adapt and we need to change our ways and we need to grow as well. Whether they can do that, I don't know. Um, But if nothing else, maybe we can make enough noise to be that agent for change and provide people with something better.
0: That's a great vision Alex. So, I mean that that that's you speak a lot of volume. This is your passion, right? This is you started this because you go, you know, this is the problem you're solving and you realize that the people around you, the, the the people that you're speaking with, this is some of the challenges that they're facing. And I think one of the things that you really I mean certainly in terms of I value the things of privacy, you not know, invading the you know the social bubble right? Not giving away, you know, phone numbers, like it's it's nothing and, and losing that privacy and losing that control over my data. But you've also managed, mentioned something as a business owner that automatically, you know, triggered me, which is monetization, right? And you, you said, well, how, how can people monetize? Because I think um, friends of mine, or even, you know, influencers, uh, lar- large and far, they grow at, you know, their, 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 they're basically not surviving. There's a very long period of time that they're growing their Instagram followers. And like you say, or YouTube or whatnot, you're selling ads and through selling ads, you get a little bit of that revenue trickling in just so you can survive as you build a following. But you're talking about this monetization as, as a business owner, as a, as, a, as a real estate person I am, I look at monetization as a very interesting component of what you mentioned, because I mean, you know, like on the Facebook, the YouTube, the Instagrams, none of that seems to be able to be a monetization model right I mean you know nobody's able to you know charge anything in in any meaningful way is that part of what you're sort of pivoting to on top of the social the the, the social chat application here yeah
1: and you know yes because you, you know you kind of made the comments of you know we want to protect our phone numbers but I think it's bigger than that and it's not just about you know it's more encompassing than that number is the symptom of the problem or the WeChat ID or the Instagram ID or the direct access to ourselves is really the problem. What we want to protect is the value of access to ourselves. That's what we want to say is we want to say, look, I I have value as a person in what I share and the knowledge that I have. um, So I want to protect it and I actually want to be able to leverage it. And that's really the big difference on what we're doing than say what others are doing. Mm-hmm. We're treating communication and the value, the intrinsic value in people as something worth harvesting, uh, cultivating for their own benefits, not for ours. So when you look at the fundamental mental differences between the, the, the traditional Facebook styles of doing things, and I, I hate to pick on them, but, you know, I mean, they, they were they were first, right? They were first to be bigger. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to get into that side of things, but, you know, they looked at it and said, how do we get people on our platform so that the value we can get is the ability to sell them more things, right? And so we're gonna have our advertisers pay us a bunch of money because the users don't. And we're gonna extract the value from the users, give it to the advertisers and sell them more stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't subscribe that that's inherently evil. I just think that that's one way a system should behave. But another way a system should behave is actually a shift and it says instead of looking at what value i can get from users what value can i give to users what can i enable and if you look at your you know your user group as people with inherent value in themselves then you start to create platforms and tools and products that harness that value and enable it and then you start to offer something different so for example, if you're on Facebook and you're watching a lot of real estate stuff, Facebook's going to start to advertise to you about real estate stuff. And so they see the value in you as the ability to sell more packages to you about real estate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On our system, you know, our our driving belief is different. I say, well, Peter, you're a super smart guy. You have an insane amount of value and knowledge. Why can't you get value out of that? Why do I as a business need to extract it from you and get it all for myself? Why can't I have you get the value. So I'll give you something where you can easily reach out, share and offer your value to the world. And, you know, I could look at some, somebody like a TikTok as an example. And I, I, you know, my wife loves TikTok and I see these <laughs> videos here or there and people are incredibly creative. They do some really cool things. So instead of building all my algorithms on how I can figure out how to advertise them to them best and how I can really take it away from them the best. And then, okay, I'll, I'll give you some YouTube premium and I'll give you stars through Facebook. And I'll give you these kind of wonky ways you can monetize, but not really because my big, my model is selling to you. Um, we take a totally different focus and say, wait a minute, how can we let Kevin, uh, you know, or, or you, know, you, Peter, or anyone else we know, how can we let them be their best selves? How can we let them share their best selves and get value out of it? How can we enable them to do all the awesome stuff that I'm never creative enough to think of doing myself? So that's really the difference in mindset that enables very foundationally different
0: platforms. Right. So, you know, that's a great way of looking at how information is being shared and how everybody can be a content creator. Like, you know, a lot of us are, are business owners. A lot of us are influencers, are in our own circles, right? So how... Are people able to, you know monetize this this content creation? How are they going to be as business owners able to market their service or product uh, in in this particular medium? Well, as they share? I mean, do you are you are you seeing this being sort of like how Pinterest you know allowed people to to buy online? Or perhaps uh, you know, like direct, you know, directly being able to purchase and, and things of that nature. Do you, where do you see business owners fitting into this, and, and how can they u- utilize your platform? You know, in the, in, I mean, it's about to launch, right? As as far as we know.
1: Yes. Oh yeah, it's launching. Uh, uh, we've already done a soft launch, and so we're doing a full launch. Uh, Q one uh, target is January. Software being with software, that's our target. Um, but um, so, how would business owners use this? Well really what they get is they get a foundational platform that enables really time to value. It's all about, any product in the world is all about time to value. How can you shorten the amount of time it takes to offer value? If you've got the best time to value, you tend to get people, if not, you don't. So as somebody who wants to create a business on this, how do they get their people to them? Well, the time to value to share content and start monetizing through the platform is it's a few clicks. I mean, it's instant. And we all know how to communicate through messaging and social networking platforms. So there's no learning curve there. So really then the the question becomes how do they drive business to them in Quantum Pigeon, right? So great that they have the platform, but if nobody knows they're on there, well, they didn't really get anything, right? Uh, And the most obvious way is through their existing social uh, networking platforms. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a creator and I am, you know, super big into cooking, I might have uh, a lot of followers a you know, few tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, and they're my most immediate audience because I'm already selling to them anyway. <laughs> to say, hey, you know, follow me on QP if you want to get more in-depth reviews. We'll talk more about you know better cooking tools, techniques. I'll work with you directly. We'll talk about your favorite foods. We'll do all that kind of stuff, right? right. So they already have a foundation, at least on our launch. They already have a foundation of how can they get people to this platform. And that's kind of the beauty of the business model is we don't say, give up Facebook, give up Instagram, give up YouTube, give up all these things. We say, no, keep those, keep doing what you're doing. Just drive a certain percentage of your audience over here where you can make different revenue, additional revenue. So still get your advertising revenue but you can then provide something more valuable. Eventually, you know, it would be great if the audiences kind of see that, oh, okay, Quantum Pigeon is now a big thing. It's not just this small thing I heard about launching, um, and I'm gonna start from there. And when that time happens later in the year, we are offering you know, part of the platform as ways to discover content, browse through it, have it be an immersive experience so that, you know, if I wanna find fitness or wine sommeliers or legal or photographers, I can look at it in a very engaging way versus just kind of a boring search engine and give people a compelling reason to want to get through it uh, and to find what they're looking for. And so that's really where we want to go. But I think at the start, it's going to be, hey, take your existing channels, leverage your existing audience. They're already getting value from you. Give them more value
0: through us and monetize it. Right. So Alex, I mean, this is very fascinating because you've given a lot of thought to this. I can, I, obviously, right? As an entrepreneur, you're thinking, like you say, you've you've thought out everything. Now, obviously with social media or any anything, it's about that critical mass, right? It's about the, 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 the point where, you know, like any technology startup like any business until you can hit that critical mass where you can break even or where you're able to achieve some level of success where it continues to roll on its own, then, you know, the minute that you stop pushing it up the hill, it's going to, it's going to slow down. How are you overcoming that? How can you teach, teach us something here? I mean, like I'm looking at it from, from start to, to getting to critical mass, what are you going to be doing? How, how are you, you know, how are you going to be able to do that um, right off the get go?
1: Uh, I think the most succinct way to put it uh, is by providing direct value to the creators. And again, creators being anyone, uh, we always associate with Instagram, uh, YouTube, and so forth, but anybody. So one of the things we do for critical mass is instead of spending the big marketing dollars convincing 100 million people that this is the best platform for them to be creative and to interact and to communicate, um, while still maintaining privacy and all the benefits, that's important, but that's a big marketing spend. So still do that kind of marketing spend and having that message of why privacy matters, why we should all care, uh, so forth. But be a much smaller spend. The bigger spend is to the creators themselves. And how we get mass is just by giving something that gives them value. So you go to them and say, look, here's a platform, super simple, super powerful. You can monetize yourself and be as creative as you want. That's it. And we've given you a platform, you don't have to train anybody on how to use it. It's not something different. It's just what everybody knows. Easy, short time to value. Right. And if we are successful in providing that value, then I believe that you know the ball almost sort of kind of goes up the hill on its own a little bit. It becomes its own engine because then you're effectively a two-sided market, right? So you've got the creators on the one hand producing premium content and sharing themselves in ways they were not able to ever do before. Then you've got the uh, audiences that are consuming that content going, hey, wait a minute, this is just a better way to communicate and share, and I value privacy, and this is what I want. So then they start to become creators themselves, and it starts to become this this engine that that perpetuates itself. If we, I believe, and I think this is one of our unique propositions, in typical social networking applications or social media applications, they're all free and you're trying to advertise, you're trying to get user mass, you're doing land grabs. So you're spending the big marketing dollars to get the eyeballs, but you're not providing anything truly valuable to them that's differentiated enough. (laughs) So you lose lose mass, you lose critical mass. Uh, And I've always been a belief and I think we're in a unique position. We provide value immediately. Hey, share yourself, make money, monetize. Because our business model is about monetization right out of the gates, then we're able as a company to make money so that we can continue to operate. And we don't have to worry about how do we get so much mass that we can start advertising and start right. and violating privacy. That's not what we want. We either make money by providing value or we didn't provide value and shame on us, we really needed to learn how to provide value as a company. And that's that's been my belief. Um, you know, as, as founding this company, if we can't provide value, then we failed. Let's not try to trick them through gimmicks or, uh, you know, invite three of your friends and we'll give you stars and stickers that you can then later redeem for pizzas and stuff, which I'm seeing a lot of now, which are basically doing giveaways to get users that they can then get them to answer marketing questions and do all these things that are not so genuine and nice. Right. We provide value. And if we don't provide value, then we pivot and we listen to our market and we find out what people want
0: right? Those are some very valuable lessons for business owners and even including myself, right? Looking at how you can, you know, as a business, you're, you're understanding what they want and you're actually providing that. And then at the same time, you know, if it's not providing that value, you're going to, you're prepared to pivot. I mean, you've gone through that whole of reiteration and you don't have the ego, right? You don't really go, okay, this is what I want to create. And then you like it, then stay. If you don't, then go away. You don't have that mentality. You're, you're, you're literally ready to transform.
1: Well, I'm not smart enough to have that to figure out what the world wants. Uh, so I better listen when they tell me. So uh, my belief is that if I can offer something of value, then they'll say, hey, this is actually pretty cool. But have you thought of doing this? Or have you thought of doing that? And that gets, touches on a point. I get asked the question because we, you know, we've gone through raising capital um, for the business uh, and I've gotten the question a lot. Well, you had an exit, you got money. Why don't you fund it yourself? And it was very important to me to be hungry. And what I mean is there's so much value to going out and pitching your idea to people. And I didn't wanna create a vanity project where I thought, oh, this is cool. This gives me something to do. I'll just pump in some money, build a company and maybe the world wants it, maybe they don't. And you doo I actually wanna create something the world wants. And it's great to go to people and, you know, I, I built the tech, wanted to make sure it was ready to be seen before I went to investors and before I went to market. So they could actually touch it, use it, see it and go, okay, this is cool, this is not, whatever. It's people say, oh yeah, it's a cool idea, I dig it. And it's another them say, it's a good idea, I wanna be part of it and invest. Cause a lot of people wanna be nice. A lot of people just wanna say, oh, it's a great idea. But when you have to pound the pavement and actually sell, you have to listen. That's the biggest thing when you have to sell your idea and say, look, this is what I want to create. And this is what I want to do. You get some people saying, no, I don't like it. And you get some people saying, I don't see the value and you have to listen to why. And I wouldn't have made the pivots that I've made if I didn't just listen. And that's immensely valuable. And I think that's something that, you know, I've certainly competed with, uh, in the bit two days to get some very wealthy entrepreneurs when I wasn't, and they funded their own businesses, uh, and they just missed the market because they didn't listen. They had their vanity, their opinions, and their cash. Whereas I got to right. come in at hungry. I got to scrap for the money. That means I better listen.
0: That, that's, but eventually, I put so, in my own
1: money. That's fine.
0: <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I mean, and, and you—that was actually your market survey. That was you, actually where you're getting a lot of feedback from people about your platform. So you know, uh, you know, getting to the, 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 you know, our closing here. Here's the thing: raising capital. You brought this up, but I think this is very interesting. How, you know, I mean, I'm obviously raising capital. I mean, you've been on both sides, right? You raised capital. And then when you made the big exit, people are raising capital from you. And now you're on the other side of the fence again. You're actually now back on the fence, raising capital to build your vision or build the vision of what you believe that the market will desire. So how are you able to do that? What are some of the pitfalls? How are you able to do it? And how are you able to successfully do it? I mean, you've raised a lot of money. So share with us some of the tips and pointers or even some of the pitfalls for that matter, Alex.
1: Yes, so I will, I will fully admit that this time raising capital is, has been easier than the other time, and the, you know, the first time, and a lot of it's based on my reputation. So no question, I will fully concede that I get a lot more meetings now than I did when I first pounded the pavement back at the biz two days. But I'll also fully admit that a lot of times, uh, most of the time, if they don't like the idea. They don't really care who you are. (laughs) They're going to say, it's just not an idea for me. It doesn't fit, which I I respect and appreciate. Uh, And I think one of my biggest strengths this time around is I've also been the investor as well. So I kind of know as the investor side of the table, what I want answered for myself when I do my own due diligence into a company. So I can be a little bit more proactive. And when I look at for myself, I think what investors want, if I can partake some some wisdom on this when raising capital, keep in mind, they're going to be nervous about a few things. They're going to want to know, am I investing, you know, number one, am I investing in a team that can execute? Do they have the right talent to do it? see it through. Number number two, uh, you know what is the market and vision I'm investing into? And number three, at least on the technology side, what is the technical risk to actually getting into the market and what's the cost going to be and so forth? If you it, for me, if I break it down into those three and then I address those concerns head on, I find I'm more, more successful. I say, look, you know we've done it before, it doesn't mean we're going to do it again, but we've had a success before, so that risk is lowered. We all know this market, Uh, just read the headlines now. Uh, People are looking to monetize. Uh, You can hear companies coming up quite a bit trying to get in this space. It's getting very feverish. Certainly the social media space is massive. All you gotta do is read a newspaper to hear what's going on with Facebook and everything else. So we know the market's there. And then number three to me is the technology. Well, I spent years building it before I even asked for a dollar so that I could take the technology risk away and say, look, it's not just pie in the sky. I've not only built massively scalable systems in the bits two days, so I know how to build and operate these kinds of systems, but you can actually use it and download it today. So it's not just a theoretical exercise that we're trying to raise capital to see if we can build, we're building it. So the more you can do as an entrepreneur seeking capital to assuage their, their fears and lower their risks, the more likely they're going to give you the capital. And that really is all it is. They're saying, hey, I've got money, you got an idea, does it fit my portfolio and my risk profile? And have you given me enough confidence that I'm gonna get my money back, right? Yes. And I For think it really sense. is that simple.
0: Right. And so that's what you've been able to do. So as an entrepreneur, right, in clothing, what would you say are some of the critical things, skills that you would have to have in, that that in your whole 360 journey here now, right? and And version two of Alex, maybe even three, what are the, some of those skills that you think are really important to an entrepreneur for them to be successful here?
1: Uh, listen, number one, leave your ego at the door, be open-minded. Don't be convinced you can do everything in your way is the only way, so build great teams. Remember, you're building a company, not just building one small thing. Uh, and, you know, learn from the nose. And so if if I think about what was maybe my biggest success factor in this stew that I hope to carry forward with me at Quantum Pigeon, we heard no a lot. We heard this space sucks. You're going after big elephants. Uh, Utilities, they're hard sales cycles. Oh, industrial, that's not so great. Um, Your revenue's lumpy. No, 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 constant no's. Listen to it, but when you get knocked down, keep getting back up. Don't don't give up. No is part of the game. Google had their no's. Facebook had their no's. Uh, You know, every massive player had their big swath of people coming in going, no. And especially if your idea is enough to be having a big change or disruption, which, you know, like I believe Quantum Pigeon does, because you're disruptive, it means most people didn't think that way. If they did, you wouldn't be disrupting. So the very fact that you are potentially going against the way people are thinking, don't let that discourage you. Believe in yourself but still listen you know the nose are valuable and and take it to heart leave the ego at the door but don't give up
0: well you know what alex thank you very much for taking this time it's i know that time is your most precious asset right now and right on the verge of in the now 60 days to your to your launch in 20 q1 of 2021 i think this is uh this is really critical and and you know what thank you for sharing your vision sharing your you know, what you believe that the market is requiring. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs are looking at ways to monetize more than ever, multiple ways of income, multiple ways to, you know, content create and actually to be able to monetize those things. So, you know what, Alex, thank you very much for being here. It's a pleasure having you.
1: Thanks, Peter. It was fun. And I appreciate talking
0: with you. Awesome. Thank you. So guys go out there and you know, I, I learned a lot of very valuable lessons from Alex today and I hope you guys had taken some few key pointers. I mean, even to raising capital from what he looking at in terms of you know, looking for market demand. So guys go out there, build a business. You know, I believe that there's better ways to spend 40 hours than to sit in a job, but follow your passion, follow your dreams and make it happen just like Alex did. So guys have a great day.